Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Well, we're starting a brand new series today called Emotions. Emotions. We all have them. You see, God created us with emotions. Uh, we can get angry. We can be happy. We can be frustrated. We can be uh, fatigued. We can be cynical. We can be humorous. I mean, there's just tons and tons of emotions. We'll talk about that in this series. But let me ask you a question. What would be the best word to describe your emotional state right now? What's your emotional state right now? Think about it. Uh, For some of us, well, it might be that we feel unsettled. That's a word I'm hearing a lot, Uh, uncertain. You know, since March, we've been talking about several things. We talked about, you know, faith over fear. That was a big statement. March, April, May kind of faded out, faith over fear. We talked about a series of unshakable, uh, standing on God's promises. We looked at hope in the dark. No matter what, we have hope. And we've talked about the encounters that Jesus had with people and how he transformed people. They didn't believe they'd be transformed, but man, Jesus always transforms us. That's what he does. Well, what is that word that you want to use? I hope it's not a cuss word because that wouldn't be appropriate. But what's the word to describe your emotions, how you're really doing right now? Now, I'm indebted to some various teachers, and I want to give them acknowledgement. One of them is Pete Scazzaro and some of his work about emotional, healthy spirituality. Another is pastor and author Craig Groeschel. And a few other guys, well, you never heard of them. And some of the things that I'm going to bring out, of course, are my thoughts. And I don't know where their thoughts start and mine end or mine end and their start. I, I, I just don't know. But I put it all in the blender, and I want to make sure, especially with Scazzaro and Groeschel, that they get the credit they deserve. And I want to give the Holy Spirit lots and lots of credit, because the scriptures that we have were breathed by the Holy Spirit, the stories that were preserved for us in the scriptures. So we're going to be looking at the Bible and some of the emotions that are found there. But one thing that is key, God has made us with emotions and to be emotional beings. To be alive is to have feelings and and passions. Life has thrills and life has chills and life has excitement and disappointment. We can be elated. We can be terrified, sometimes all in the same day. And there's nothing better than to be in love. Yeah. Or to feel deeply about someone who shows an interest in you. You know, wouldn't life be dull if all we kind of did was went through life with mechanized monotony? But there's laughter, and there's sorrow, and there's joy, and there's pain. What makes life special is emotions. It's almost magical when someone makes us laugh, or when that special person smiles at us, or whispers sweet nothing in our ears, or the fact that we can blush or get embarrassed or shed a tear makes us fascinating creatures that God has created. But sadly, some people often want to hide their feelings and sometimes try to artificially alter their feelings with drugs or alcohol or ready-made distractions. And some people readily share their feelings and others, well, 
They're, they're like clams. They kind of clam up. They're not feeling that their feelings have any value. Many of today's psychologists are convinced that one's emotional intelligence or EQ is far better a predictor of life's success rather than one's rational intelligence or IQ. I know some people with amazing IQ, but they have no EQ, emotional intelligence. They can't read a room. They can't read other people's feelings. They can't sense when the air is thick and something is going on. I mean, there are emotions that make us feel really uneasy or fussy. We might feel boredom, impatient, distress, mild embarrassment, fear, apprehension, worry, or anxiety. There's also some incredibly positive emotional feelings like appreciation, curiosity, excitement, determination, confidence, encouragement, cheerfulness. Uh, Pete Scazzaro said this, ignoring our emotions is turning our back on reality. Listening to our emotions ushers us into reality, and reality is where we meet God. Emotions are the language of the soul. They are the cry that gives the heart a voice. Now, I want us to take a look at the emotions of Jesus. That's right. Jesus was a very emotional being on this planet, very much God and very much man. His emotions were so powerful that they always moved him to action. Now, we're going to look at some of the emotions of Jesus, so hopefully our emotions can become Jesus-centered or gospel-centered. Researchers have found that Jesus displayed 39 different emotions in the Gospels. I didn't know that there were 39 emotions, but if you've ever raised a teenager, you would understand 39 different emotions, maybe all in one day. Jesus was God in the flesh, and he expressed and felt very real emotions. I'll give you some examples. For example, when Jesus looked over Jerusalem, he saw people. He looked deeply at them. He noticed them. He didn't just gaze over them, and he loved them. And it says in the scriptures that in Matthew 9, 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. That's an emotion because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He felt this deep sense of emotion and even grief for them in their lostness. They were missing out on the very thing that God had planned for them in their lives. And of course, Jesus was really angry. Boy, was he ever angry when religious leaders cared more about rules and rituals than people. When leaders cared less about loving people, Jesus grew angry. Oh, he was overjoyed, (laughs) filled with joy when Peter was reinstated and brought back into ministry. And when his friend Lazarus died, well, you know what happened. Even though he knew he had the power of life in his hand and in his mouth, his voice to raise Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus, come forth. He, he knew that, but yet he had deep sadness over the loss of his friend and his friend's sisters who were weeping at their brother's death. And Jesus, the shortest verse in the Bible, breaks down and it says Jesus wept. Emotions. 
Now, today we're going to look at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7. Jesus had just finished his magnificent Sermon on the Mount, and here's what the story says, Luke chapter 7, verse 11. Soon afterwards, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. A funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate, and the young man who had died was a widow's only son, and the large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart, catch this, overflowed with compassion. So much compassion, his heart could not contain it. Overflowing compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin and he touched it and the bearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. And then the dead boy sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. What a great moment. Great fear swept over the crowd, and they praised God, saying, A mighty prophet has ridden among us, and God has visited his people today. The power of Jesus expressed through deep and sincere compassion. Can you see it? As I was reading this narrative, I see this procession marching down. A coffin, nothing like what we have today with sides and a a cover. It was more like a board where the body was exposed to the crowd. And more than likely, it was the day after he had died. For sure, we know Jewish law that there was to be a burial within 72 hours. And this woman is a widow, which means she's very poor. Women were not allowed to work to feed themselves. And those that did, well, they were involved in the oldest profession of ever where she would actually be out and would sell herself to somehow have money to eat or food being given to her in exchange. So here she is. She doesn't have anything. We don't know how long ago that her husband died. We just know that he did. We don't know what he died of. The gospel doesn't tell us. But now she's marching down the street mourning. And no doubt, which was the tradition, there would be people that would be greeting. And if you were wealthy... Unlike this widow, you could actually hire mourners. So when you marched your loved one down the street, they would see a larger crowd of mourners to make your deceased family member or friend seem more important than they were. I couldn't be, imagine being hired as a mourner. I'll just cry and scream and grieve and walk down the street. But that often happened. We doubt very much that this crowd was gathering because of the boy The crowd was gathering because of Jesus. And now they're walking down the street together. No doubt there are some mourners there as well. There's flutes or tambourines and people are crying and there's emotion in the moment. And Luke 7, 13 says, when the Lord saw her, saw her, the widow, saw her, the mother of the boy who's dead. His heart overflowed with compassion. Now, Jesus saw all kinds of people. But what Luke is telling us is that Jesus didn't just see her. He noticed her. He felt her pain. His heart connected with her heart. There's a great difference between looking at someone and seeing someone. 
And there's also a great difference between seeing someone and really noticing or discerning their need in the moment. Now, in our culture, we need to see and take notice and be alert and hear and listen, especially in this season of time where so many people are feeling pain. So many parents and students alike have had their their lives disrupted. Some have lost their incomes and some have lost their jobs. There's a lot going on in our world. And if you pay attention, if you look, if you notice, if you listen, you'll be able to hear the hearts of people. Remember this. I'm going to give you a key right here that's going to help you. Pay attention. You with me? I hope so, because here it is. Out of the abundance of the heart, Jesus said it, the mouth speaks. If you listen long enough, you'll hear the pain of someone. You'll hear what's missing in their soul. You'll hear their frustration, and if you listen, you'll hear their emotion come out of their heart. And rather than you seeking to be understood, you seek to understand those around you. You seek to listen to them. And Jesus was not only listening to the mourning, to the grieving, but he was hearing the heart of this woman who had lost her husband, who had now lost her son. What emotion did Jesus feel when he saw someone in deep and profound pain? I think this question is important for us. What emotion did Jesus feel when he saw someone in deep and profound pain? This is not the only case where he had deep, overflowing compassion. There's other places in the scripture. But let me now flip it and talk about you and talk about me and talk about your family, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers. The very same thing that he feels for this woman is the very same thing he feels for you and for me whenever we're hurting. What he felt for her is the very same thing he feels about you. When I started this message, I said, what word would describe your emotions? What word would describe your feeling right now? And if it's joyful and joyous, God bless you. We put a moratorium on complaining and whining weeks ago. So thanks for following through. But possibly today, there's hurt in your heart. There's an unsettling feeling. There's an uncertainty about your future. You're trying to pay your bills, and you don't know how you're going to pay them. And whenever you're praying, you're praying for God to respond. And maybe you don't hear him right now or sense his response. And maybe you're praying for a child. Could be a teenager. Could be an adult child who's made some wrong decisions and going the wrong way, but you're believing that your child's going to be okay, but there's pain and hurt and agony in the decisions that they have made. Here's what I know about Jesus. His compassion overflows for you. And that's the first thing I want us to see. Jesus's heart overflows with compassion. He could not contain himself And I don't believe he can contain himself today as he sees the lostness of people around us, as he sees homelessness, as he sees those who are destitute, as he sees those who are addicted. Just not too long ago, I was was driving in one of our alleys and, and I looked to my right and I saw a gentleman with a needle in his arm. And I have to to tell you, if, if there was some way that, that, that I could go and, and change his life with the, 
with the wave of the magic wand or the, or the wave of my left hand, I, I would be glad to do that. But I have to tell you, I, I, I saw him, but I also noticed him. And in, in just a moment, I, I want to just share with you that I, I felt good that at least, at least I noticed. And I thought, Lord God, would you help him? I don't know his name. I'd seen him one other time before. And I thought, God, whatever is going on in his life is obviously beyond my understanding and beyond my control, but not beyond your control or beyond your gaze or beyond your compassion. Jesus could not contain himself. And maybe you feel the pain of this life, the cry of your heart. Our God knows that you're desperate. He, he knows when you can't catch a breath, and he knows when in 2020 it seems like you can't catch a break. Anxiety, discouragement, depression. Have I used those before? The Lord sees you and he knows your pain. And with the mom in our story, Jesus grieves for her. And then he says in Luke 7, verse 13 and 14, don't cry, he said. And he walked over to the coffin and touched it. And the bearers stopped. Now, Jesus is not denying her her basic right to human emotion. And Jesus is not denying her the right to grieve. But he's saying, don't cry. What do you mean, Jesus? Could you imagine being right there? Hey, woman, don't cry. Why did he say that? Because he knew what was coming next. He wanted her to know that something was going to change. And he reaches out and he touches the body. Again, there's no sides, there's no lid. And he reaches out to touch the dead boy. Now, many of you scholars know it was forbidden for you to touch the body of someone who had died or anything that had touched their body because you would then be deemed unclean. And here is the Savior of mankind, God in the flesh. And what he does is completely scandalous. It's unheard of. And there's gasp in the crowd because the Pharisees had religious laws 613 of those laws, to be exact, strict laws. Don't touch the body. But here's what I know. Jesus loved to break the rules. (laughs) And the second thing is, Jesus loves crosses lines. His love crosses lines. He loved to cross the line. He loved to break the rules. Political lines should not stop us from loving people. If it does, then check your love. Economic lines cannot stop us from loving and serving. If it does, check your love. Being hurt in the past should not stop you from loving. We should love like we've never been hurt before. And here, here's the questions. Have you created lines between you and God? Have you created a line between you and God? And the second question is, have you created lines between you and others? People are over here compartmentalized by, by lines. But Jesus was a line crosser. A crosser. He was a, a gate crasher. And ultimately, he crosses the ultimate line when he goes to the cross and dies for the sins of all humanity. You know what I'm so happy about? I got to tell you, this is an emotion. It's happy emotion. You know what it is? Just around the corner, we have our harvest 
block party, drive-through, October 31st, 4.30 to 7.30 p.m. I'm excited about it. You know why? Because there's no lines. Oh, there'll be lines. Cars will be backed up. I promise you that. But there's no line to get in. What do I mean by that? You, you don't have to pay to get in. It's free. You don't have to be white or brown or black. You don't have to be Republican or Democrat or Libertarian. You don't have to be military or civilian, a veteran. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to be uh, uh, in school or out of school or Zooming school. It's an open street. Now you might go, okay, pastor, got it. No, we are opening the street in front of our church. In years past, we blocked the street off. We put lines of demarcation. Do not go here with a vehicle. But now we're saying, get your cars and drive in. Drive uh, north, drive south, and come in, enjoy some games, get some free candy, honk your horn. We'll have the lights on. We'll have some fun. It will be a celebration. Why? Because we're giving something away more than just candy and more than just some games and some silliness. We're reminding people the church is still the church and the church is still open. And LFC is about loving God and loving people and serving God and serving people. If I feel pumped up, yes, I am. That's part of my emotion right now because I love parties like this. There are a lot of work, and we need lots of candy, trust me. And we need lots of people to, to help us set up and tear down and run games and all of that stuff. We're serving heart first. We're loving our community with no strings attached. And that's the heart of Jesus. We don't want to create lines where people can't get in because Jesus modeled for us that there shouldn't be any lines. We don't draw lines to keep people out. We cross lines to bring people in. That's exactly what Jesus did in this moment. He crosses the line against the rituals of the Pharisees, and he touches the boy and speaks to the boy. Can you imagine speaking to a dead body? But that's what Jesus does. And he tells this little boy, hey, hey, <laughs> Get up. <laughs> you see, the lesson for us is, is don't just see, but notice, sense, discern, and act. Whatever feels dead in your life right now, with one touch of Jesus, it could come back to life. Just one touch. Just one touch from, from, from the giver of life brings the dead back to life, and dead things in us back to life. He has the power to, to recharge our dreams and our vision. He has the power to, to, to take those seeds of faith and cause them to grow. He has the power to take that love that's inside of you that maybe has waned a little bit. And if you're married, the, the, the love, the love and feeling that's been gone, Jesus has the power to touch your lives. And you're going to be kind of marvel at my next statement, but he has the power to resurrect your love for each other. He can cause you to forgive each other for the past and to start afresh. A dear couple who came to church recently for the first time, they sensed the presence of God at our outdoor venue. A lady who watched online, a man who reached out via email, a lady who had our prayer team pray for her at the outdoor venue on a Sunday, 
All of these people have been touched by Jesus. And it's not just the worship team as great as they are. It's not the teaching. It's, of course, the scriptures. But the Spirit of God wanted to touch these people. And one touch of Jesus can change everything. In this culture, culture, this, this, this woman, as I said earlier, no husband. She lost all hope. And her boy, she lost all hope. But Jesus, with one touch, turns everything around. And her son was now able to go out and work and provide for her. Otherwise, she wouldn't have any food. Think about all the dynamics of what Jesus changed with one touch. Just, just one touch. It says in uh, Luke seven fifteen. then the dead boy sat up again and began to talk. I wonder what he said. We don't know. I, I wonder maybe if he said, hey, what am I doing up here? Again, they're carrying him down the street. Hey, what am I doing up here? I got stuff to do. I got places to go. I got life to live. Maybe he said, thank you. <laughs> Jesus, thank you. Maybe Jesus said, my pleasure. I, I don't know. But Jesus gave him back to his mother. Possibly he picked him up, got him off the little platform or the stretcher-like mechanism and gives him back to the mom. I, I don't know exactly what it was, but whatever it was, this woman had her life dramatically changed because of the power of Jesus. If you feel anxious or afraid or bitter or irritated or agitated or always on the edge or always on your guard or hypercritical or cynical or, my word again, unsettled, would you reach out to Jesus and allow his touch? I know that Jesus is not here physically. I get it. But that does not limit his touch. I know that some of you have distanced yourself from him. God would give you your hope back if you would turn to him. Just, just, just one touch. And what is the result? Well, as we've seen, an encounter with Jesus changes everything. Here was the result in Luke 7, verse 16 and 17. Great fear swept the crowd. Now, let me stop for a moment. I mean, obviously, great fear. A dead boy rising in front of them. You'd be afraid too. They'd never seen anything like this in a funeral procession. And... The people did what? They praised God saying, a mighty prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. Great fear swept the crowd and people began to share. This is called positive gossip, the news about Jesus throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. They praised God. But what did they say? Well, they said, God has visited his people today. Even those who didn't understand about biblical stories or, or religious ritual, they, they had no understanding about even God or, or maybe the miracles of the Old Testament, the parting of the Red Sea, manna from heaven. Maybe they didn't know any of that. But here was their takeaway. <clears throat> God has visited his people today. 
When I read that in preparation for this message, I thought about this for you. And in all the emotions that you're feeling and all the difficulties that you're facing, and even in the great things that are happening in your life, that God would visit you today, today, this day that the Lord's made, he would visit you. Jesus desires, number three, to visit anyone in need. There's no situation that's gone too far that God cannot redeem. There's, there's no need for which God cannot provide. So how are you doing? If you could describe your emotional state in one word, what would you say? Well, if it's joyful, thank God and give him praise. But if it's not, cry out to the God who's moving towards you, even now. Wherever and whenever you're watching this, whatever line you feel separates you from the goodness of God, I see God stepping across that line. I see Jesus reaching his arm over that line. Again, he crosses lines to get to people. His life is coming to your dead places. His grace and his goodness is coming your way to show you that he notices you and he cares, and he cares about you more than you imagine. When this widow's only son experienced the resurrection life from the only son of God, there was nothing that was dead that his compassion couldn't bring back to life. More than just her son being resurrected, as powerful as that was, Jesus changed her life, her future. He restored her hope. And no doubt, it's not in the gospel, but I would infer that whatever Jesus did that way, that day, healed the grief in her heart over the loss of her husband. No doubt recently. Just one touch. Just one touch. So Father, today we pray in the name of the one who is the resurrection and the life that you would touch those who are hurting, those who are afraid, those who are confused, and those who feel alone, those who feel lost. May we see Jesus as the Lord of compassion, and may you, dear ones, see Jesus fully passionate and compassionate about you. I pray for you that those who don't know Jesus the one who crossed the line, who left heaven and came to earth, who crossed the line and went to the cross for our sins, who crossed the line and paid for your penalty, the penalty of your sins, who crossed the line to pay for your new life and eternal life, that you'd allow him to touch you today. Salvation's available for any. <laughs> it's available for anyone who will believe and reach out for anyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. So we pray this, Heavenly Father, we give you our lives. We believe in your Son, Jesus, who died and rose again. Forgive our sins, all of our sins. Change our lives. Make us new with just one touch from your hand and your heart. And God, I would add, thank you for noticing us 
<laughs> Thank you for noticing me. And a group of people we call LFC. Thank you for noticing our lives and for being there for us and making a difference for us. I pray that you'll allow Jesus Christ to touch your heart and touch your life today and in the days ahead. May this be a glorious week for you as you deal with all the emotions of life, <laughs> that you'll know that Jesus feels them too, that he can be touched with all the things that you face. And he desires one touch to reach out and change your life. Let's allow him to do that. Well, God bless you. Thanks so much for being with me today online. Thank you so much for worshiping with us this Tuesday night at 6 p.m., both on Facebook Live and live stream. We'll be back in the book of Psalms. And for those of you who have yet to, to consider coming to our outdoor venue at 1045, uh, it's great. Uh, we have lawn chairs and we ask you to bring them and we all wear masks and we social distance. If that's appealing to you, we welcome you. If not, we respect your decision to remain online. Oh, and by the way, if you want to sit in your car out in front of the church during our outdoor venue, you can tune in to 105.5 right in front of the church and listen on FM and I'll wave at you and you can wave at me. But if there's anything we can do for you, please let us know. We'd be happy to pray for you and assist you in any way that we can. God bless you, and let's keep reaching out to Jesus, crossing the line to others, and allow him to touch us. We'll see you soon. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.